Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts, and people listening to political podcasts, and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. Welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political fledgling, Kobe. As always, I'm joined by Diane and Tatten, our political... What's the, what words do we use this week? Falcons. Um, We're falcons of politics. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the political falcons, Diane and Tatten. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I imagine stressed, but I don't want to speak for you. I don't want to speak for you. So this week, I've mostly been screaming into a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I've been consumed with misery and pain, and uh, I just want it to be over. Uh, how's your How's your pillow faring, Diane? <laughs> a little, little bit better. <laughs> I I love it when it's busy. I love, I you know, in, in a kind of sick sort of way. I love all this stuff. You know, it it does keep keep things interesting. Yes. Uh, you see, this is this is this is why simple politics does okay because because every time I um, slide into fits of misery, Diane's perking along, going, "Oh, this is quite fun. I'm having a nice time." As judge, now we've got the metric of how how well your pillows are doing. So uh, I'll check in with you in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yes. the pillow tracker. Pillow tracking, exactly. That's that's the metric. That's simple politics. <laughs> pillow tracking metric. Um, you said it's busy. It's been busy this week. And in case you're listening and don't know, simple politics was built upon the simple politics Instagram account, uh, which has now surpassed the four thousandth post. Uh, that is that's immense. Um, from my side, guys, <laughs> can you can you talk about it? How how's, how does it feel to get past four thousand posts? Well, only some of those have been cat pictures. To be fair, um, <laughs> I think it's important. It's important stuff that it's it's we weren't built on Instagram. It started on Twitter, and then moved to Facebook. And I refused. I refused to uh, to move to Instagram because I had far too many platforms to deal with already. And my colleague at the time, Hattie, was uh, was like, "No, we should really probably be on Instagram." And I was like, "No, shut up. You know nothing. We shouldn't be on Instagram. Instagram's mm. for wimps." And <laughs> then I allowed her to set it up and. Not for the for the for the first or last time. I was completely wrong, uh, and she was completely right. Just like Diane is now. Always yes. Word to the wise listener: Do not get into an, a debate or an argument with Diane because she's right all the time, <laughs> and uh, you will just lose. And you'll have to get back to that pillow and do some more screaming. Um, <laughs> but yes, we did launch on Instagram and four thousand posts. Some yes, so we've yeah. spoken a lot of nonsense. 
Yeah. I don't think and it's nonsense. Ke- no. Keir Stormer got the got the four thousandth post. Just the luck of the draw, how it happened. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was Keir Stormer at PMQs for those that are interested. If if I was a betting man, I would have put a bet on something to do with Boris Johnson and all yeah, parties um, this week crossing the line. But but Keir Starmer, <laughs> he picked him at the post. Uh, well yeah. done, Keir. I guess I don't know. Let's <laughs> get a prize. I, <laughs> I, I think he does. He'll be delighted. No. <laughs> Send him a pillow in the post. <laughs> Well, let's get on to the main meat of this of this podcast, uh, starting off with the popularity contest. In this segment, we look at the last week's posts, the most popular ones, in reverse order. Um, and as I said, uh, as I kind of alluded, there's a lot of waiting around. The Metropolitan Police uh, stuck their oar in, and there's very noise. There's a lot of noise generated in the PMQs, which we may or may not talk about. But uh, what's in at number three, Tatton? Well, this is a really important post for those of you who have a six-year-old who likes to make driving noises around the kitchen because <laughs> it's changes to the highway code. Mm. And nobody wants your six-year-old to drive around the kitchen incorrectly. Right? It's very important that the rules are followed at all times. So the changes are basically a simplification of what they have been before, but it's just to make it clear, there's a hierarchy of road users and pedestrians get to do pretty much what they want on the road. So like, don't hit them, right? Mm. If you're like, don't hit pedestrians. And then it's cyclists, then it's horse riders, which is um, quite far down the list. But I suppose pedestrians, cyclists, horse riders, don't hit any of them, right? Don't hit them. That's, that's the rule. Don't yeah. don't be dangerous about them, and don't hit them. As but this is true for motorcyclists and cars and vans and I mean HGVs as well. Don't hit and don't hit an HGV. No, don't do it. Mm. Um, and that's what about if I as me as a pedestrian, I went not a HGV and and hit it. Is that allowed? Because um, the, hi- the highway I've... code says that yeah. you have the rights. But also, no, don't do that. I mean, <laughs> no. why would you do that? No. Kobe, you're yeah. a terrible person. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, also, my little Felix, I'm not going to teach him to go around hitting things. He makes brooming noises around. I apologize, listeners. This is not my this is not my normal demeanor. I do not go around hitting HGVs. And that would be <laughs> that would be silly. Um, if you wanted to, Dover's quite full of them at the moment. So come down Kentway <laughs> and you've got like hundreds and thousands of uh, of, of HGVs. Take your choice. I mean that goes into another area, but I, I'm interested in this one because I um obviously I'm a pedestrian, but also a cyclist. And typically the rage between cyclists and other motorists, motorists I would say, is quite tense and high. And I, I welcome this clarification i think still you know look out for cyclists look out for pedestrians look out for horse riders and i've seen cyclists being completely wanton and reckless around horses and that's not to be not to be advised either because you know those guys can really horses can really mess you up if you don't have protection of a you know a ton of steel around you but i'm interested to see how this will manifest and i'm sure there's a lot of angry drivers out there who are like no cyclists no but i don't know diane what what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, anything that's going to make it safer, you know, especially mm. you do hear some some stories, you know, about people getting clipped because cars haven't seen them, all the rest of it, you know, absolutely yep. all for the safety aspect. You always get that old chestnut that comes back in comments about, you know, um, oh, are cyclists going to pay road tax then? That that's the bit. That's the one that always comes up in comments when we when we talk about these kind of things. But, you know, I, I'm all for the safety aspect. I, I need to get yeah. my, my head around the changes. As a driver, I think I need to do mm-hmm. some reading of the highway code over the weekend um, because everything comes in from from Saturday. Yeah, well, good. I mean, as as a cyclist, I've, 
I've not been hit specifically by a car, but I've been involved in a car accident where I was going down the side of the road and the car just turned left without indicating. And and that's that's a common thing then. I think this should yeah. be just a standard. Use your indicators, guys. That's that's exactly what the changes are designed to stop. So one of the changes is the cyclist should be should be cycling in the middle of the lane mm-hmm. rather than the sides. They're more visible. And yeah. um and turning in front is is now a specific and explicit offense um to do. So it's, the highway code is just about manners, right? Mm. It's just about looking around, caring about other people and not putting yourself first. These changes, I mean, you know, that they, they, they seem to be roughly common sense, whatever. But if you drive like you care about other people, then there's no changes. Etiquette. Etiquette, exactly. In at number two this week, uh, Diane. Yeah, so in at number two this week, we're talking about um, the scrapping of travel testing for vaccinated UK arrivals basically that's that's what it is in a nutshell which is good news you know for the travel industry really good news and in fact I was reading up on some travel industry stuff this morning and because of of that change because we're heading to the last sort of dregs of January and people you know it's it's a really tough month to get through financially and what they're anticipating is that this weekend, and particularly at the back of this weekend, um, it should be the busiest weekend for booking holidays for, for the year, basically, because these, these changes will encourage people, plus everyone will, will be heading to the, the first pay packet, basically, of 2022. And sure. um, they're really anticipating a massively booming weekend. So, yeah, as I say, very, very positive change for the for the travel industry because anything that cuts down the bureaucracy, a lot of people were put off travel last year because I know Tan, you did it once, but the thought of international travel when it came down to, you know, testing and pre-booking testing and everything, it did put a lot of people off for, for quite a while. Or you will still need the passenger locator form. That's the that's the one thing that does remain through all of this, which which is is sensible really. But um, yeah. And another, another motivator to get, make sure people are vaccinated, get your vaccines before you travel. So what do we have at number one, Tatten? Oh, I mean, at number one, it's, it's been the, uh, the only story of the week, really. Like Boris Johnson and parties and Downing Street and the police. And oh my goodness, just saying these words makes me want to scream. Did he have a cake? <laughs> what flavour of cake was it? I mean, what the heck was his um, interior designer doing there? It was a birthday party. Like it was. I don't think I'm being impartial to say it was a birthday party. Like his interior designer was there. There was cake. People were singing. I mean, it might not have been a massive rave. They might mm. not have hit fabric up that night, right? <laughs> but it was a party. And he was there for 10 minutes. I was like, okay, cool. You were there for 10 minutes. That's fine. But you were still there for 10 minutes of a party, mm. right? Like, it doesn't matter how long you're at a party for. It's a binary thing. Were you at a party or not? And he was. Whether he was ambushed by cake. Like, like whatever. He could say that everyone was on a break from work. It was like, if you're on a break, why shouldn't you have a bit of cake when it's someone's birthday, right? You're allowed to be working from home. Like, if you can't work from home, you're in the office, you're still allowed to take breaks. Mm. Uh, we spoke about this last week. It's someone's birthday, get a cake out. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like a hundred people being told to bring their own booze. No, that's more of a party, party, party. 
right? This is more of a, here, oh, look, it's the prime minister's birthday on your trot. But however you dress it up, it was some kind of party. And so that post went down. And you can imagine the comments were all... Um, well, yeah, what, what kind of comments were we getting in there? Like, I'm, I can't really tell you because the language that was being used isn't, <laughs> isn't suitable for a very serious politics podcast like this one. It would turn the air blue, is I think the phrase that people would use. And then, and then it came out that the Metropolitan Police, Cressida Dick has said the Metropolitan Police were investigating a number of Downing Street and Whitehall events. And for the so this is a really interesting point, forgive me. They said before they don't look into crimes retrospectively, right? And everyone laughed a lot because all crimes <laughs> yes, are retrospective. They did, they did. But, yes. but she clarified what she meant by that. And I thought this was really interesting fixed penalty notice crimes they don't do retrospectively. They won't do an investigation as to whether you parked on the WO line, right? Mm. If you park on the WO line and you, you get, get away, away with it, it they yeah. don't investigate it. Crimes that are not like, you know, you don't get sent to court or whatever. Crimes that are punishable by fixed penalty notice, they're the ones they don't investigate retrospectively, which kind of makes sense. So what they're doing now is looking at crimes that go above and beyond the fixed penalty notice. Crimes that say it's about whether you knew or should have known what the rules were that you were breaking. And if that's the case, there can be more. And that's what they're now investigating. And this means that the Sue Gray report isn't going to come out or didn't come out this week. And now it looks like the Metropolitan Police have asked us to change more of it, remove more stuff from it. And so now Sue Gray, at the time of recording, I mean, when you're listening to this, heaven knows what's going to happen. Sue Gray's report might not come out at all because she's a bit in a huff. She's a bit like, what's the point in this report if it's only going to say, uh, I had a walk down Downing Street and I had a banana while I was there and I spoke to some people. Like, that's like there's no point in that report. So it might not come out at all now. The Metropolitan Police investigation is going to take six months. What? And I need my pillow now because... <laughs> yes, there have been so many plot twists and turns in this whole thing, but but the, the Met yeah. Police one felt like a real pivotal moment this week because it did blow the Sue Gray report out of the water, pretty much, which mm. we all had to, up to that point, been, been waiting for. And the amazing thing is that Boris Johnson welcomes this uh, police investigation. Um, so he he actually says, bring it on. Um, yeah, but, but Diane, of course he does. <laughs> you can't say, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no, police, don't look into my behaviour. Imagine that. Don't ask where the bodies are. I mean, uh, don't, Terry. No, it's fine. I haven't stolen anything. Like, you can't... To me, this is like... I mean, one of my favourite TV shows is Columbo. Oh, and yes. Younger listeners, I apologise if I'm losing you at this point. But Columbo is the world's greatest TV detective. And often his suspects would help, would lean into helping him so much so that they almost implicate themselves in many different ways. And, but also, as Tatson says, if someone, if Columbo was investigating, you wouldn't just shut the door on him because that obviously sets you up as a prime suspect straight away. So I'm seeing Cressida Dick and her team as Columbo in this experiment and, and Boris Johnson as the, as a suspect in the, in the, in the series. I'm looking forward to seeing what results and I'm looking forward to the point where Cressida Dick says, and just one more thing. 
Mm. When's your birthday? <laughs> what was the cake? And if it's Colin the Caterpillar cake, yes. I will be devastated. Of course Colin it's the Colin the Caterpillar. There are no other cakes. <gasps> Colin. Can I look Colin in the eye again? Um, so, the, yeah, the police is going to take a very long time. Boris Johnson has welcomed it. Like, everything had been, wait for the grey report, wait for the grey report, and now it's all kind of fizzled out. And he can't keep, well, he will keep saying there's a police mm. investigation. I can't talk about this stuff. So it, so it gives Boris Johnson license to hold off. Sure, in six months time, or whenever it is, if this report comes out, if he's being questioned under caution, that's not a good look. But for now, it means he can ride through this and just get on and, and then do more stuff and see us through and get rid of self-isolation for COVID and be the man that rode through the storm. And then maybe we'll forgive him more when the police investigation comes to an end. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So... People currently listening to comedy podcasts and people listening to political podcasts and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers, ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. Hello, I'm Kate Lever, host of Who's a Good Dog, the podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog. We're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, every week on Thursday evenings. So if you follow the Simple Politics Podcast Instagram account, uh, Tatton and Diane set you a debate task. And this week it was, how should the UK respond to Russia's troop movements and the possible invasion of Ukraine? <laughs> wow. Meaty. Uh, wow. Yes. <laughs> this is the heaviest one so far. I know we're only four episodes into Simple Politics Podcast, but this, I wasn't expecting some kind of weight, weighty topic as this one. So Diane, why? Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> um, be because we want to, we want this bit of gravitas, uh, Kobe. Um, basically, yes. There's a lot around this week. Obviously, there's a lot on the periphery about parties, but something brewing, um, which we can't ignore, is mm. is the fact that there are, you know, a hundred thousand Russian troops, um, you know, on the border of, of Ukraine, and you know, and. There are world leaders meeting about this on a daily basis about what what response um, the world is is going to do to this posturing by Vladimir Putin, and whether that sounds like economic sanctions are definitely mm. you know on the cards. Um, should he should he make any moves? Um, and yeah, it's all sounding like something potentially imminent. Although over the Russia deny they 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 say they're just hanging around on the border um <laughs> uh, and it's really it, you know it's it's really all to do with with nato and and the fact that russia do not want you know nato extending into into ukraine that's their big objection which the us say they absolutely won't rule out 
So tricky situation. Diplomacy yeah. diplomacy happening still, which is good. But yeah. Yeah. Tatum, what what are your what are your thoughts? I'm screaming into a pillow over this <laughs> because I'm so bored of talking about economic sanctions against Russia. After the Salisbury attacks, we talked mm. about the strongest possible economic sanctions. After the money laundering things, we talked about the strongest possible economic sanctions. We've been talking about, in Parliament, we've had successive prime ministers talking about the strongest possible economic sanctions against Russia. And now we're saying, oh, well, we should really do some economic sanctions against Russia. So what is there left? What are we? What, what, what can we do now that we haven't done already? And what economic sanction have we put in place that's done anything? Here we have Putin being the strong man, moving his army up. Yeah, I mean, they say they won't invade, but the, but the invasion's not the problem. The invasion isn't the point of this. I mean, maybe it will be, but what he's doing is he is showing off what he can do. He's making the West squirm. He's divide, There are divisions between America and the UK and France and Germany. He's creating divisions within NATO. So mm. he doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO, but he's fundamentally undermining it anyway because he's just showing off as a strong man. And either he gets to do that and we kind of collapse or we meet him as that strength and then war and we all die. I mean, no one, no one wants NATO to be at war with Russia, a hot war with Russia. Like that's yeah. that's no good. I mean, I'm just why can't we all get along, guys? Peace and love, man. I yeah, know. that's what John we want. Lennon, yeah. John Lennon wrote a song about it and still people aren't doing it. But this I mean, the reason I the way I lent into this uh into this segment was the PM seems to be quite interested in in commenting. Obviously he needs to, uh, on the on Ukraine this week. And I get the impression that he'd quite like to leave all the party calling the caterpillar stuff behind him so he can get his mitts into this. Um what was his what was his statement and comments on this? And then we'll head to what the readers more importantly had to say. So basically he he did update this week and and you're right Kobe it's one of the defenses he used in prime minister's questions when not just Keir Starmer in Blackford people challenged him around what is happening in terms of the integrity of government and his leadership Boris Johnson was able to say mm. ah but you guys are interested in cake and I'm sorting out Ukraine. I'm talking to Joe Biden. I'm doing important stuff. And that was definitely a defence he used this week, for sure. But his update was really just about that, that the negotiations are underway, that the, the economic stuff's being considered. Um, but also, if there was any deployment of NATO that, that we would join, we have already sent a very small training team out to help um, Ukraine. And we've given them some anti-armour missiles already. So we're, we are sort of already pre-arming Ukraine to, to defend themselves, if you like. So yeah, okay. that's very much what he updated on. So that's what the PM's done. But what do the Instagram followers think? We've got hawks and doves. <laughs> we've got wizard Brett a wizard. No, I mean, it's nice to have a wizard come along mm, and comment. Absolutely. Hopefully he's Hogwarts educated. Otherwise, I'm not sure. Yes. I mean, Wizard Brett says, demonstrate demonstrate strength. Appeasement doesn't work. Demonstrate strength and be truly ready to rebuff. Like, and he talks about artillery and anti-aircraft. Like, this, this, this guy is ready to say, <laughs> Russia, we see you. Get out. We're yeah. bigger and better and stronger than you. Whereas Maggie C 
says, how about we get on with sorting ourselves out before minding other people's business? So she's more of a dove. She's more isolationist. And these are, I love these debates. And it's, I think, again, I said this last week, I love these debates because people come at it from such different angles. Mm. And these are the arguments that have been made about wars for the last 500 years. Like, they made these arguments about the Crusades. Oh, no, we shouldn't go and fight over there. We should stay here and uh, fight the French instead. Uh, like, these kinds, of, yeah, this, these are the arguments. And I think it's, uh, it's fascinating. Is there any, any of the comments you like, Diane, to pull upon? I love this one from Flynn Robertson, who basically said, you know, let's seek our peace. He's a real John Lennon fan, I can tell. It comes through in his writing. Um, and he said, you know, let's do everything, treaties, allyships, legislation. Let's just give peace a chance. That's what I said. That is. <laughs> That's are what you, I said. Are, is that a puppet account <laughs> of yours? <laughs> I am Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, then otherwise, people just basically talking about our reliance on Russian for energy and oil and gas and these kind of things, which basically are saying, you know, let's make sure we we sort out um, some other forms of, of energy, so we're not reliant on Russia before maybe potentially we, you know, we we go into any kind of conflict situation. So T. Harrison seems to be like, I don't care if they fight, but can we just make sure we've got we've got electricity? Fine. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a response. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a valid response. Okay. You can't well, play Candy Crush without electricity. True. Is, is T. Harrison 4815 a Candy Crusher? I, I mean, what I love is that, do you think T. Harrison 4184, in fact, do you think all the 481,000, were they all taken? How many yeah, T. Harrisons absolutely. can there possibly be? T. Harrison Infinity. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for writing in for the debate. It's always a pleasure to see the comments that are coming in. And it was a contentious one. It was a tough one. It was a meaty one. Diane and Tatten, I think you're cruel, cruel people for suggesting that one. But uh, I think it's been well, it's been well meted out. Hello, I'm Violet Manners and welcome to Hidden Heritage, the podcast that brings you inside Great Britain's favourite destinations. From the same team that brought you the number one history podcast, Duchess, Hidden Heritage will uncover the fascinating stories behind the UK's brightest shining hidden gems. You'll hear from top experts in British heritage, including custodians, historians, artisans, experts, and even the craftsmen and restorers who've worked on some of the most celebrated historic buildings. We will share the untold and unique stories that celebrate UK heritage. From landmarks to architecture, artefacts to myths and legends, Hidden Heritage will highlight a side to British history you have never seen before. I'm your host, Violet Manners, and founder of Heritage X, and I invite you all to join us on this exciting journey. This is Hidden Heritage. You can find Hidden Heritage wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's head over to section three, Bills, Bills, Bills. Okay, normally we go through a bill that's coming up in Parliament, but this week, Tatton, you want to talk about some big questions, as if we haven't done already. What do you want to say? Well, we've got, we're going to have a quick look at two big questions here. And these are, these are, oh yeah, uh, strap yourself in. Uh, we're going <laughs> on a ride, a ride about tax and responsibility. Which is the best kind of ride? Who are we 
as a country, how do we want to solve problems? So one of the things the government is supposed to do is look after people, okay? And we have lots of people in this country who need help, who need care. Mm. And we all agree, everybody agrees that, that, that social care, that looking after people is hugely, hugely important. Um, the trouble is it costs a lot of money. People who need care around the clock need someone to be paid to be there for them round the clock. Like it adds up and adds up and adds up. So the government's idea is to raise national insurance contributions. So it's a bit, if you're on 30K a year, it'll be about £255 extra a year you pay. So the idea is we all pay a little bit extra and that creates £13 billion, which can mm. all go on social care and everyone's care gets better and everyone gets looked after. We'll have dignity in this time, which sounded like a good idea at the time, maybe, which put the government was certainly right behind. But now we've got this cost of living crisis, inflation's going up, and suddenly that £255 that used to be kind of a chipping in thing is a really very serious amount of money. And until we can sort that out, what energy price is going sky high, until we can sort that out, there is quite a lot of pressure on the government to delay at least yeah. delay this, 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 this tax rise. And whether it's going to happen, we don't know. At the moment, they're saying, someone, someone said this morning or last night that they're listening, the government's listening, but also they're not going to do anything. And that's, I think that's what a lot of people would kind of intimate that the government do generally. I mean, Diane, we talked, you talked eloquently, explained what the, the cost, uh, the consumer price index was in last week's episode. So if you haven't heard that, guys, go and listen to Diane's explanation of it because it did enlighten me. But it seems that, okay, an extra £255, if everything was staying the same per year, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'll do it because it makes sense. But now gas prices or energy prices are going to go up. I'm going to feel that in April, I think it's going to, when we're going to feel the major brunt. CPI, 5%, but for people on lesser incomes, it's not 5%. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I think um, it has, from, from when this was first muted to, mm. to now, we're in a very different position potentially. And I I think there are people who are pushing for a U-turn on this. I'm not sure whether they'll get it, but there's definitely, and there's some, I think there's some friction between the, the Treasury on this and from other ministers, because it would be a very popular move to either delay or change minds about this altogether, um, mm. this, this rise. But from a Treasury point of view, where else do we, do we get the money from? you know so yeah some definitely some tension even between the the conservative party on this it's really interesting rishi sunak in full leadership contention mode um <laughs> referred to it as the prime minister's tax <laughs> he, so he called it the prime minister's tax when oh. when when he said that was he just sharpening a sword it's just, <laughs> sh- 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 yeah it's a prime minister's tax <laughs> yeah I think the interesting thing about the cost of doing crisis, we did, we talked about Jack Monroe uh, last last week. One of the points she makes about cost of living is how much cheaper it is to be rich. And the, she used an example from Terry Pratchett book where rich man's boots cost 50 pounds and they last for 10 years. Poor man's boots cost 20 pounds. It's all they afford at the time and they last for a year. So in 10 years time, the rich man would have spent 50 pounds on boots. Mm. And the poor man would have spent a hundred pounds on boots because he needs to keep buying the new ones. 
And that's one of the ways that, 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 that it impacts. And that kind of leads us nicely on to the second ride. Are you ready for the second part of the ride? Please. It's about universal credit and it's about unemployment and it's about maintaining what's going on. So if you lose your job right now, you've got three months to find a job in the same sector. So we talked about 30 grand, you're on 30 grand a year, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you do what you do and you're looking for a job that's going to be roughly 30 grand a year because you've got mortgages or rent or whatever kind of outgoings fixed at a level where you have been earning. After those three months, you have to accept a job outside of your sector, which is kind of a euphemism for retail and hospitality. After that three months is over, if you still haven't got a job, you're not going to get universal credit if you turn down a job for Sports Direct, okay? Because you've got to get off. You, we can't keep having you on here while you're looking for a job that you might never get. So you've got to take Sports Direct job. And of course, you can still look for the, the 30K job while you're working at Burger King, but you've got to take that job because you've got to support yourself and we're not going to put you through it. So it's quite, quite, quite similar to the who's going to pay for social care. It's about who's paying for you to be out of work. The taxpayer can't keep footing that bill. And um, that's changed now. So you're only going to have four weeks before you have to take the JD Sports job. And the idea is, it is not us, the government, the taxpayer's responsibility to pay for you to look for your dream job. It is our responsibility. We'll give you some time, but mm -hmm. if you can earn your own money, you should be doing that. And again, so we're going to see people, people's wages coming down. We're going to see more people trapped into buying the £20 boots five times rather than one set of £50 boots. But then it's hard, it's hard because you're outside your sector, so your skills aren't being used, but you can still look for those jobs outside of work hours. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I think it's time to head on to the random choice. In this section, we can go anywhere, any topic that feels particularly relevant. Diane, do you want to lead off with your random choice? Yes. So random choice this week, we're talking about back to plan A. So um, in other times, that would have been huge news, but it kind mm -hmm. of went in on Thursday with not much fanfare. Um, and people have noticed different things about it. Not everyone's felt the same about this. Um, some people have welcomed it. Some people have been actually quite worried and quite anxious about it. But basically we've the whole back to the office thing is, has already been happening for about a week. But Thursday was was particularly the masks became not mandated on public transport and in shops. But we had lots of supermarkets coming out saying they would continue to ask their customers to wear them at the door if if they can do. So yeah, interesting that people are very much a lot of different takes on this in, you know, the wider society in England, depending on, on your view about whether it's too soon or whether it's absolutely the right thing to do. Is there any evidence, uh, anecdotes or otherwise, that says the mandated mask wearing is how many more people wear masks when the government mandated versus not? Because when I'm walking around, I don't see much difference between plan A and plan B. And it, it, it's just been interesting to know if people feel like strong-armed into wearing a mask that they're happy as soon as plan A finishes, uh, plan B finishes, I should say. I think there was a marked step up. I mean, this is totally anecdotal, but it mm. felt to me like there's a marked step up between not wearing them and then wearing them when plan B came in mm. 
And I haven't yet seen that step down again, but presumably yeah. it will do. I mean, it's also, we're recording this on Friday. It only happened yesterday. And I very rarely leave the house. So I haven't seen um, <laughs> anyone with masks or not. So my anecdotal evidence is really useless. I do apologize. <laughs> no, but that's that's what I'm seeing. Is, I think that's that's exactly what I'm echoing there as well. Uh, the step up, but then the, I think there's maybe just a, a decay rather than a step down. Tatum, what's your random choice this week? Well, I want to talk about Plan A as well because um, sure. I, I get these. So I'm on a government press release because I'm very important. I'm on a government press release uh, list. and Because um, you're a political falcon, that's why. Uh, yes, yes, all the falcons <laughs> are on there. And uh, I, sometimes they're embargoed, which means I can't tell anyone about what's in them until after the time they say. And a few times now, they've sent me embargoed emails, embargoed until one minute past midnight on Thursday. And then it says, plan B measures have been scrapped. And I go, but, but you told everyone this. Everyone knows this. Why have you embargoed an email at the end of a long countdown? Like embargo till one minute past midnight. It's 2022, everybody. Like we know, we know this. I, 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 I mean, there must be a reason. And then it's got a little quote from, uh, I was about to say Matt Hancock, but he hasn't been the health secretary for quite some time from Sajid Javid that says, we've done very well over all of this. Aren't we great? We can now have plan A only. And isn't that brilliant? And I think that that little quote is the only thing that's embargoed. But do you know what? Timing, timing of these things is is a big question in my head because we talked about testing for holidays earlier. And do you know the date we start not having to test? It's February half term. Now we've been told that we're following the science. Does the science say that February half term is the right week. Is it just a massive coincidence that February half term is when people go on holiday and is also the best time to get rid of these measures? I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's at some point mid-February, so it may as well be that week. But the type, the type, why now? Why is it that plan B ended on Thursday? And yeah, I mean, there's party, there's reasons to do things. Obviously, Boris Johnson quite liked coming out to make that announcement, yeah. but maybe it's just time. Like we've still got hospitalizations are quite high. Like hospitalizations are still pretty much where they were at the peak of the first wave. Um, we're still seeing, really sadly, we're still seeing hundreds of people dying every day with COVID. I mean, obviously there's how many people are dying of COVID and with COVID and these kinds of things, but this thing has not gone away. It has not gone away and it is still hurting people. And it is still like, uh, I, I was talking to a friend who said that their children had eight class, eight people in their child's class, eight, because there were so many people off school. Mm. So maybe, maybe it is milder. Maybe fewer people are getting hurt by it. We've certainly come down from the 200,000 cases a day to 100,000 cases a day, 90,000 cases a day. This has not gone away. Let's not forget that if the, listen, the government know more than me, the government have scientists, I just have Google. If they say plan A is enough, then I, you know, you got to back them because a lot of people thought plan B wasn't enough over Christmas. And it, it turns out pretty much was like Scotland and Wales have come back to kind of where plan B was or even plan A is. You've got to trust these guys. They've got experts. Yeah. Um, but we've also got to remember this has not gone away. This is not endemic yet. 
Okay, guys, final section, crystal ball. Uh, what will the big stories be next week? Diane. Okay, away from reports. Um, there is a deadline next week. We've done a post on it already. But NHS England staff will need to have had a first jab by the 3rd of Feb if they're going to have two doses by the 1st of April, which is the deadline if they want to continue in a frontline role. So that's going to be a biggie next week, because primarily because there are protests uh, arranged. There will be last minute lobbying on this. There will be people basically, you know, seeing that they can do anything to manoeuvre that deadline to get the government to think again on that. Um, with the there's still 77,000 NHS England staff unvaccinated. Um, we don't know how many of those are for medical exempt reasons, but that's the number that are unvaccinated still. And that's a heck of a lot of staff to potentially lose when waiting lists and, um, you know, other things are at an all time high. So that's going to be a, a big story next week. Uh, Tatum, what do you have? Uh, the big story next week is that I will be in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> Weeping salt tears. Mm. The Sue Gray report may or may not come out. There may or may not be some change to national insurance. There may or may not be a vote in Parliament on confidence. 54, I'm so bored of the number, 54. 54 letters may or may not go into the 1922 committee. I might just, simple politics might, I might just delete everything. Um, burn the whole thing to the ground. That would be the biggest story. It would be a better story. And then, and then you know, you'll know that's happened because... Because the next week's podcast will just me be quite quietly drinking and swearing um, and maybe singing songs. So all of that could happen. Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything except the unending gloom and misery. And of course, COVID's going to happen next week. I was waiting for the COVID statement there. <laughs> well... It's been uh, an epic week this week. Not much has changed. Um, tempers and stress levels are higher than ever. Please do join us for next week to see if any of the tempers and pillows have made it through an extra week in the homes of Tatton and Diane. I'm, I'm concerned for the pillows. I'm, send I'm, pillows. Help send pillows. I'm, I'm anticipating a trip to what is in place of British home stores because I can't think of any other place to get pillows nowadays. <laughs> CNA is good. Yeah, CNA. A trip to CNA. Um, thank you very much, guys. Diane, Tatton, say goodbye to the listeners. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Take gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts and people listening to political podcasts and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply.